Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. So, um, welcome everybody. Um, it's lovely to see you. Um, I'm Louise Greenwood, Director of Education at Wessex LMCs, and I'm particularly delighted that we've got a big team with us today, which is lovely. So, we've got Lisa Harding and Michelle Lombardi, our Directors of Primary Care, and Dawn Childcraft, our Director, uh, Deputy Director of Primary Care, and Marie Dockniak and Lucy Breacher, who are coming to talk to us about DBS. So, it's fantastic to have a big team with us today, and welcome everybody. So I think first of all, we're going to come to Marie and Lucy. Um, so it's so nice to see you both here. Thank you for coming. And I think you're going to update us about a little bit about DBS. So Marie, I think it's over to you first. Okay. Thank you, Louise. Um, so good afternoon to you all. Um, so I'm Marie Dockniak and I am the DBS administrator at the LMC. Uh, I deal with all the DBS applications along with colleague, my colleague, Lucy Breacher. Um, as most of you know, we are moving to an online DBS platform. Uh, and this will be going live on the 4th of July. Uh, and as you can imagine, this will be a much faster and efficient way of processing DBS applications. No more paper forms being sent to the practices and no more errors on the forms, which means no new forms being written out again and holding up the process. This will also save on postage costs and the risk of forms being lost in the post. Uh, with that in mind, we are pleased to be able to offer this online service at a reduced cost, and these will be made available uh, to view on our website. Payments can be made on the online platform via credit card or can be made via BACs. So thank you. And now over to Lucy with some more information. Thanks, Marie. Afternoon, everyone. Um, as you have probably noticed, we're currently sending out comms regarding the new process and we'll be sending out more nearer the time along with um, some really useful manuals and helpful videos to assist you in the new DBS online process. This will include the process for the login information and details for you. We do urge you though to let us know of any staff or new staff members that will be processing DBS applications going forward to email the DBS team at dbs at wessexlmcs.org.uk so we can give them access to the new online DBS portal I'll pop that email into the chat for you so you have it to hand. Um, as you can imagine, this is really exciting for us and we hope that you find this process a lot smoother and faster. If you have any questions in the meantime, please do get in touch. Thanks for your time. Back to you, Louise. That's great. Thank you, Marie. Thank you, Lucy. That was really yeah. self-explanatory. And we hope that's going to be a really, as you say, a smooth system and a, a more efficient and quicker system for people. Um, I think you've had some trials, haven't you, with some of the practice managers and it's all gone well. Um, so you've been working very hard at that. And thank you, Lucy. You've popped the um, DBS email address there in the chat. So um, for answering any questions, but there might well be. And it's been lovely to actually see you and for everybody to sort of see who's, who's behind the emails so people will know who to come to. Um, and it's the 4th of July, isn't it? We're going live for this one. Fantastic. Thank you both so much. Thanks for joining us, Marie. Thanks, Lucy. Thank you. Um, so we're going to go on now to some student placements. And um, I just came across something that I thought you might be interested in, that um, the Jet Graduate Management training program scheme and um, the journey of the trainee and the roles and expectations of program and placement managers there's some short sessions of training for those so this is a graduate management training scheme some of you may not have been involved in it some of you are, may have actually um, been on it in in the past um, but it's all about if you want to 
bring in some more management trainers into your practice. It'd be great to have some more people coming through being um, practice managers for the future. If you're interested in training them at all, there's a new scheme and I, we can put that in the chat for you. So that's led, led by the Southwest Leadership Academy. The sessions are going to run regularly online over the course of a year to enable new placement and program managers the chance to familiarise themselves with key aspects of responsibilities. So if there's anything you have ever thought of getting involved in or would like more information, it's the Graduate Management Training Scheme for NHS managers. And I think it might be sort of quite a good thing um, to get involved in if you have got any spare capacity or maybe for the future looking at succession planning. So I just wanted to bring that to your attention. Um, sessions run by the Leadership Academy if you weren't aware of them. Okay, Dawn, I think we're coming to you now on some EBIS issues. Yes, thanks, Louise. Um, so some of you may or may not know Dr. David Wrigley. He is the digital lead at GPC BMA um, and he has regular meetings with NHS England and the DHSC. Um, and he feels that at this year um, there's been a new peak in problems and delays and system crashes with EMIS. And he's asked that EMIS come to their next meeting. But at the meeting, he would like to present real life examples of the impact that the EMIS software is having on colleagues across the country. And with this in mind, he's um, produced um, an easy to create Google document, which we have the link for um, and we can share widely. Um, and if any of you have any examples you would like to or be willing to share with David, he'd very much like to receive them. Uh, when the next meeting is, we don't know. I've asked him. We haven't got a date for that yet. But in the meantime, the document has only just gone live. So it's very much ready to use at the moment. Um, and I can put that in the chat um, and perhaps we could put that also alongside the podcast when we um, put it up online so that you'll be able to find it there if you choose to go and do it later on. Thanks, Louise. Thank you, Dawn. That's useful. Um, and there's a useful comment being put in the um, Q&A box that hopefully you can all see. Um, something that one of the practice managers, Jenny, has found out recently um, was reviewing the content insurance and also trusted technologies, used to be called healthcare computers, for an updated estimate for being able to replace our IT equipment should it be stolen, etc. They replied that the ICB, so this is Hampshire and Alawai ICB, now ensures the IT equipment that they provide. So we only, as a practice, only need to ensure any equipment that you purchase themselves, e.g. second screens. Um, so Jenny said she can share the um, information from Trusted Technologies if that's useful, but it might be useful to you, for, um, you to contact them. The other thing is, obviously, we're not aware of other ICBs and what they're doing. I don't know whether, Lisa, Michelle, you're aware of what Dorset, Friendly or, IC or um, BSW might be doing. No, not off the top of my head, but we can certainly ask them. So we'll find out. Jenny, it's a really good point. Thank you. We'll find out about that and we'll let everybody know. So thank you for bringing that to our attention. It's really helpful. Um, I think we're coming on to you now, Lisa, for the DSP toolkit. Yes, thanks, Louise. And this was just a really brief item. Just a reminder, I'm sure everybody's on it, um, that the DSP toolkit deadline is the 30th of June. Um, and hopefully most of you would have had lots of support from your DPOs in reviewing, preparing for that. Um, but if you do have any questions, they, sh they should be able to support you 
Um, so it was just a quick mention, really. We just wanted to check everybody was aware of the deadline. Um, so that was that one. Um, the next item I just briefly wanted to cover was um, around the, the delivery plan for recovering access to primary care, which everybody would be really familiar with and that was published last month. Um, there was a commitment in there to training 6,500 staff, um, one person from every practice in the country, in care navigation skills. And people might have spotted in the primary care bulletin that I think came out yesterday um, that practice and PCM managers are now being asked to nominate one member of staff, ideally reception staff and care navigators involved in triaging requests to complete the virtual care navigation training. Um, and managers can book uh, those individuals on sessions starting from the 10th of July. Um, they are saying that they think they will be popular and they might fill up quite quickly. I'm sure they'll do subsequent rounds as well. But if you want to get your staff booked on, um, it's probably worth checking that out. So we can put the link in the chat as well, if that's useful. Um, they've also said that an advanced training offer will be available at a later date for those with experience of care navigation who can support and embed into it into practices and networks of sustainability and standardisation. And there is a, um, a contact email if people have any queries. So we'll put that in the chat. Um, and the, the final item for me was a patient safety item. Again, this was in the primary care bulletin, um, but it was just a flag that uh, your patients or a few of your patients may bring in a resource letter. Um, it's around uh, identifying the side effects from pelvic mesh. Um, the Patient Safety Commissioner has launched a new patient resource to help GPs identify side effects from pelvic mesh. Um, it's been developed in in partnership with a couple of campaign groups and the resource is a letter that patients can take to their GP explaining the signs and symptoms presenting with mesh related conditions um, and where to signpost for treatment and care. It's not clear whether treatment involved in pelvic mesh may, um, sorry, if it is not clear whether treatment involved in pelvic mesh, GPs may refer patients patients to their local gynecology team so it was really just to give you the heads up that you might get patients coming in with a letter um, and again we can put that link into the chat thanks Louise Definitely, so that's helpful um, just going back to the previous comment about um, insurance and um, IT equipment so the comment from Jenny um, from Dorset I believe Dorset ICP covers the IT equipment supplied by TT so we're not 100% sure about that but Jenny thinks that's that's what's happening, and we'll we'll try and clarify about that with all the ICPs we work with, just to give you some information, and Pat will pop that, pop that with a podcast later. Um, Michelle, I think we come to you now on Croft. Thanks, Louise. So wanted to give you a bit of an update, particularly around DOACs. Uh, there's NHS England have very kindly uh, reissued an update that supports the national initiative to expand the use of DOACs, um, particularly relating to the quality, uh, so the Quoth outlook quality and outcome framework, QOF changes. Um, I will pop, pop the link into the uh, chat so you can have a look at it. It's, a, it's on one sheet of A4, it's a poster, uh, which is really handy. Uh, and it includes the NICE guidance and other various documents that have been updated in relation to this. So that's just to highlight a useful poster in relation to DOACs and the changes that have happened as a consequence. Michelle, can I just, anybody new to the call, can we just, what's DOAC stand for? Director Anticoagulants, you're right, uh, Dawn. Thank you. Sorry. I should I, have looked at that before. If anyone is listening and is new to, new to this world, they might think, oh, my goodness, what, what, what is this? Is it something to do with pensions? I've got no, no idea what it's to do with. So but that would be helpful. Thank you. Sorry, that's Michelle. A, that's OK. That's a good point, Louise. <laughs> okay. um, I've got a couple of other things to come yeah. on to, I think, as well, haven't I? 
Um, so I'm going to talk a bit about COVID-19, so COVID vaccinations for uh, children aged six to six months to four years. So from last week, so from the 12th of June, and at the NHS has started offering COVID-19 vaccines to children aged six months to four years who have an increased risk of COVID-19 due to certain medical conditions. It's really just to highlight that practices who manage the routine care of eligible children, so in the cohorts uh, mentioned, are encouraged to ensure patients and guardians are aware of what they're entitled to and they can access two doses of the vaccines for that specific to their age group and to help the parents or the children identify how they access the children's vaccines. So it's really just to highlight there's a, a new cohort from last week. And then finally, I think I'm coming on to GPAS, so the General Practice Alert State. Um, we wanted just to really thank all practices who uh, return this on a weekly basis. We've been running this since May last year and wanted to really just update you on some of the new developments that are coming. I think we've probably previously mentioned the National Dashboard, which is going to go live in about four weeks. So it's really important that practices return their weekly reports to us so that that can feed into the national uh, data that's going to be available uh, every week. Uh, GPC, so General Practitioners Committee, um, are fully on board with uh, this process and will be publishing the national results on a weekly basis. So it's a really good step for putting primary care on a footing with secondary care um, opal status reporting and to raise the profile of uh, how difficult it is, uh, incredibly difficult it is in general practice at the moment. Um, we we do. We wanted to uh, respond to the question about so what. So you fill this in every week, and what happens? So the local commissioners uh, use this data in, in when they're uh, wanting to look at peaks in demand, and it helps our directors. So. Uh, myself and Lisa and the medical directors when we're talking about the crisis in general practice. And I know when the strep A outbreak happened last December, the GPAS reporting was uh, critical and used it during that time to predict how uh, incredibly uh, difficult it was in general practice. Uh, so it's really just a, um, a plea to ask practices to return this on a weekly basis and it is used. And also just to remind that there is a confidential email. So if your practice identifies yourself as black, um, please do contact us and we can identify what support we can offer to those practices. Thank you, Michelle. And uh, I'm going to say it again now. GPAS stands for GP Alert System. Yeah, Alert State, GP Alert State, General Practice Alert State. And if people haven't got involved and want to get involved, um, I wonder, um, Dawn, if you could pop the link from our website in the chat box, that would be really helpful, just in case there's people new in and, the, and haven't really, aren't really aware of it. Um, Lisa, I think you wanted to come in. Just, I just wanted to add to what Michelle said. I think um, we've had a couple of really positive comments from um, providers in BSW saying that they hadn't previously seen this information otherwise and just not cited on what's happening in primary care and saying how helpful it is and that they're going to share it more widely. So that's been some really good feedback and I think um, I think Dawn coined a really good phrase it's it's Dawn I think if I get this right it's all it's not a sprint it's a marathon and I think um, one of our other colleagues has done a huge amount of work looking at some of the other data and it's just part of the puzzle it helps us to put together a jigsaw just to present um, all of our all of the system the commissioners you know potentially the media as well with a really powerful picture of where primary care is um, and we really need to need that voice so it really does help so it's sort of a measurement of how general practice is feeling, isn't it? That, that's really sort of basically what it is. Michelle, did you want to come in with a, a more? I, 
No, absolutely. No, absolutely. I was just going to mention that Dorset also, we've had some really good comments come back from the the, the different stakeholders that we share the reports with on a weekly basis and, and welcoming, understanding the pressures that general practice are facing. And I remember hearing, um, it was a couple of months ago, there was a Devon GP talking on the news and he just said, because Devons have started this and they've been doing this for a little while. And he just said as, as part of the conversation, well, that we, I was able to say to our secretary, hey, guys, all our practices are on black alert. And that's how it feels. And we know as practice managers what it feels like to have the hospital say, well, you know, we're really busy, we're on black alert and, it, and you have to go away. And actually, it, there's nothing to compare. So it is some sort of comparison. And we can say, actually, this is how primary care is feeling. Um, and so that ha- that is how it can be really helpful. Thank you. That was great. Um, really um, good to know. Thank you, Michelle, for bringing that to our attention again. I think, Dawn, we're coming back to you now um, for something on the futures. Uh, yes, we mentioned the futures forum before um, and I thought this was a useful um, item to show you. Um, It's on the digital primary care channel um, and what they've um, actually, well I say published, it's in draft uh, and they quantify that. It's the good practice guidelines for GP electronic patient records version 5. You might not have seen 1 to 4 but anyway we're now on 5 and I think they've done it particularly usefully in as much as they've split the whole guide up. Um, As you can see here, each um, chapter, as it were, is in blue. And if you drop it down, you've then got a number of items that you have access to. Scene setting, patient registrations. Um, We've got here uh, looking up an NHS number, NHS logins, PDS, uh, sorry, personal demographic services. And then under data recording, you've got clinical coding, high quality records. And the other one that's worth a mention, here we are, data recording and recommended management. We've got redaction. There's a a guide in there, um, something on GP to GP transfers, migrating records. And so the list goes on. Um, And and it's quite lengthy, as you can see. Um, But they've kind of got it all in one place. And there's quite a lot been going on with um, access to medical records, um, online access and so forth, safeguarding and, and the registrations. I think the one thing I do want to point out, it does mention that this most of these articles are in draft um, and the reason they publish them in draft, um, it says each guidance topic's been written uh, by an or uh, an authoring authorizing team consisting of GPs, practice nurses, practice managers, and then reviewed by other subject uh, matter experts. Um, the guidelines will eventually be published on the NHS England web pages, which, of course, are public facing. As we know, the futures platform is by um, login access only. Um, however, they're sharing the guidance topics here in draft because they want to give those working in primary care the opportunity to look at and comment first. Um, so if you want to take a look. Um, you might find some of it actually quite useful now to use, but also you might have some thoughts and comments on it. Um, and there is an email address for any of your comments and thoughts if you like it. So I'll put the link in the chat bar as we do. And again, I think perhaps if we publish that alongside the podcast, you can go and have a look when you might feel you're able to. And you're going to go on to do the about, about EPS. So, uh, yes, it's EPS. Um 
So NHS England, are they're looking for, sorry, they're asking for feedback on the electronic prescription service, something you probably, um, or your healthcare professionals, doctors, prescribers will be using. Um, and they are interested to hear about um, how you've been getting on with the electronic prescription service. Um, and so there is a short survey. Again, we can add the link. It's just if anybody was interested and perhaps you have had some experiences you'd very much like to share. And that's on the electronic prescription service. Following on from that, another small item from uh, NHS England in their bulletin. Um, this is about research into career development in primary care. So the Institute of Employment Studies are researching career development and job moves within primary care for NHS England. They would like to speak to anybody who um, has positively navigated the landscape um, and they are looking for staff in non-medical roles and they'd like them to take part in research and be interviewed. Um, and if anybody would be interested in that, there is a name, someone, Sophia, um, and an email address for Sophia. And again, we can publish that alongside the podcast if anybody's interested in sharing their primary care careers. Lovely. Thank you very much, Dawn. That's all really helpful. I think we've come to the end of our um, topics for today. It was quite a short one today. Um, really grateful that Marie and Lucy could join us to start with. Um, thank you for your coming in yourselves. Um, I hope you have a really lovely weekend. Thank you very much to Lisa and Michelle and Dawn. And we'll see you again next time. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice.